Hi everyone and welcome back to the Panama podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show and uh, I am really honoured to have a returning guest uh, on the show today. Um, They were on the show um, a few months ago and it was the highest listened to podcast of the year so far. So um, yeah, and I'm excited to hear more of their story today. So welcome back to the show, Casey. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back on with you, James. And I, I have to say that I am. I didn't know that the podcast that we did before was the most listened to one of the year. So that's that's really exciting to me because I I had so many new people connect with me after that. Um, just people that reached out to either say you know thank you for sharing your story or um, to share pieces of their own stories with me um, and how they resonated with it. So it was just kind of further proved to me that, you know, even in our most vulnerable moments, even though that's incredibly hard to do sometimes, like it's always beneficial and somebody always resonates with what you're saying, even if you feel like it doesn't matter, you know, so that's, that's really awesome. I'm so grateful for that experience. Yeah. It was amazing to, for me as, as a host to sit and bear witness to your story, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, that's one of the best things about doing this show is and podcasting is is just when you you get to bear witness to somebody's story and to hear um, and to see it actually change them as well. Yeah. Like um, Steve, because I could see the how just the act of you sharing that story had an impact on you as well. It was mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe it, I don't know maybe it helped with. What we're going to talk about today, maybe it'll help lead. Maybe it'll help lead to what we're going to talk about today, which is um, you coming out as non-binary, which happened not long after we recorded. Just um, weeks, and that's what we're going to talk about today. That part of your journey, which has happened since we last recorded. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to do that. So, so yes, tell us a bit about this journey uh, into kind of discovering this part of yourself and and how it happened and coming out. Sure. Well, I I have to go back a little bit um, because, you know, I I don't remember exactly where we left off last time, but um, since, since the biggest traumatic pieces of my story, you know, I I have um, dated and married my partner, Mike, and I I wouldn't be here without him. That's just straight up truth. I, I would not be the person I am today. And I don't even think I would be around. Um, so he has been such an incredible witness and handholder, uh, through this entire process for me that, um, he's just been there to see me every step of the way for who I actually am. Um, and he's been the kind of partner that just keeps digging, you know, because he knows there's more under there. (laughs) And so he just keeps like, prodding me and pushing me and, and assisting me in this whole process. And he's truly been my biggest cheerleader. Um, but also been really the first person in my life that has ever been fully safe. And I trust that he is safe. So I, like, I, I recognize the privilege that I have right off the bat, just in having a partner who is so committed to me becoming my best self. Yeah. Um, and that that has been a huge, huge catalyst for this process for me, right? Like I, I don't, 
I, I just, I can't even fathom where I would be if it weren't for that piece of it. Um, just because of how supportive he's been. So I, I, I have to brag on him anytime I get, because I just think he's the most wonderful. Human. <laughs> so he is. I will he always, always be his biggest so, fan. Um, he's great. He's just so genuine and kind and sweet. And it's so rare that you encounter people that are that authentically kind. Um, and just literally witnessing that much intense kindness in a person directed towards me, right? That's just like a sledgehammer to all the brick walls that you've put up around your heart over the years. So that is um, step number one for me was that I just had somebody who saw me for more than all the trauma that was there, you know, and was committed to helping me peel back all those layers. Um, So I tell, I saw this, it's the funniest story because when we got married, I still was, you know, completely in the closet. Um, I, I don't even think that I fully had a grasp or a concept on the fact that I was queer. Um, I mean, like I had always experienced attraction, but never, never let myself explore it because of religion and, you know, uh, everything that I came out of. And so I was married to him for probably two years before we even opened the doors to those conversations, Um, before I even had enough structure and place that it felt like a safe place to, to have those conversations. And the story is hilarious because we were watching Game of Thrones. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you, I think I've tweeted about this before. Um, so you may have read this story, but I had not watched Game of Thrones, right? And he was a just diehard fan and he had watched it all the way through, never missed an episode, you know, and he really, really, really wanted me to watch the final season with him. And I was like, babe, I don't, I don't even know the characters. Like I couldn't tell you one thing about the show. And he was like, it's Okay we will catch you up. Okay. <laughs> so we sat down over a weekend and that man decided to walk me through like every single YouTube recap video and explain to me all the storylines and all the characters. Like it took us an entire weekend, but we like watched episodes here and there and he would fill in all the holes and answer all my questions. And it was so it was so much information. Like my brain was completely overloaded <laughs> with all this information. That's intense. Right? It was so much because, I mean, it was, it was what, like nine seasons of the show that I was catching up on? And so we sit down to watch the final season together. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what have I, what have I gotten into? You know? And all of a sudden, Amelia Clark comes on the screen, right? And like i don't i don't remember the noise that i made but i made a noise james i made a very audible and somewhat embarrassing noise when i saw amelia clark come onto the screen <laughs> and it took a minute for mike to register the noise that i made and he just looked at me like are are you okay and I kind of checked myself and I was like, oh, I, I just did that out loud. I didn't mean to do that out loud. Oh, my God. And he was like, wait, 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 wait. Do you like her too? 
<laughs> oh, I have read this story. Yes, this is brilliant. I love this story. <laughs> I mean, I, I could feel my face turn the color of fire. Like, I, I, oh my god, I was so embarrassed, and also like realizing, <gasps> yes, I do. <laughs> So uh, I, I, you know, admitted it to him and I was like, yeah, I, I definitely, definitely like her a lot. And so that just opened up all of these conversations that we never had before, um, opened up so many, so many like realizations for me, um, just being honest about it, you know, having a conversation about it for the first time in my life and realizing that, yes, I am attracted to all kinds of people, not just hetero men, you know? Um, and so he was so gracious in those conversations and just like, yeah, cool. We can scope chicks together now. Like, I, like he just, he didn't even have a problem with it, which was so shocking to me coming out of all of the past relationships and upbringing that I had, that somebody that I could be actively dating would not find it threatening for me to be attracted to other people um, was just a concept that I had never, ever grasped. Yeah. Before. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that's yeah. a great story. That's a great story. And I, love how, Mike was, I love how Mike was so understanding. He, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I've talked to Mike on Twitter. He's, he's, genuinely, he's genuinely an amazing person. Everyone should follow him as well. He's fantastic. Um, uh, so I can vouch for that. Um, so what was the next kind of step for you after this like beginning realization and these conversations that you were having? Therapy. Lots and lots of therapy. <laughs> I think I had already, I had already started seeing the therapist that I was working with a little bit. Um, we'd seen each other a few times, but it was kind of in unpacking all of the trauma, right, that these realizations started to happen and I started to feel safer and kind of being able to start having labels to make sense of things that were my experiences, right, um, was a huge, huge step for me. And I, I, there's, there's some people that don't understand that, that are like, you know, well, why do you need to label it? Why does it matter? Um, but it matters because those labels help me to feel like I have some sort of concrete grasp on my reality, number one. And like, I'm not just imagining things, I guess, or like, I, like I have a way to understand myself and I have a way to describe myself to other people so that they instantly understand me. Right. Um, and so that's a big thing for me is just feeling like people can see me for who I am. And so a big part of my therapy process was just working through all of those layers of trauma and kind of unpacking all of it, one story, one piece, one layer at a time, which was years worth of work. Um, and, and just being able to actually get, you know, proper mental health diagnoses and, you know, proper medication finally um that that is helping me so so much um all of these you know all these pieces that i'm kind of being able to put together as the puzzle of who i am that before i just really 
like I think back to my past self, right? And I feel like I was a just a hollow shell of a person. I I realized that I spent so so much of my life completely dissociated from my body, from my experiences, from everything that was happening to me. Um that for the first time coming into those experiences and and fully fully sitting into my emotions and my feelings and my you know the things about me that are real that i just denied for so long um it is is so vastly different just from where i was a few years ago and one of the other biggest pieces for me is that i actually went i went back to school um and I trained as a professional coach. So I actually got a master's degree um, in, in coaching practices so I can be an, an ethically certified coach that can work with you know, all kinds of issues or people. Um, but, but that process focused a lot on somatic work, um, really learning physical body responses and being, being in touch with our bodies, um, and, and helping other people learn to reconnect with their bodies as well. Um, and doing that program, even though it was, it was supposed to teach me how to do it for other people, right. It taught me how to do it for myself too. And so that in conjunction with working with this therapist that I was working with, um, really started to show me all of the ways that I had completely disconnected myself right? That my, my mind and my body are one. Whereas we've always been taught, you know, to separate the two, but that my, my body is more than just this jar, right? It doesn't just hold my brain. It doesn't just hold my soul. It, it, it is me. Um, and so that, that was such a huge realization to, to start to realize that I can take care of myself in ways that gratify and feel good to my body, which is so, so wildly different from how I was brought up, right? That entire Christian mindset of deny the body, you know, give your body, your body is a living sacrifice to God um, versus now coming kind of full circle or maybe 180, I guess, to realizing that my body is the person that I am, right? Um, that that it is who I am and that I connect with this body and I have to take care of this body and I, and I can't just ignore when they are telling me something. You know, I can't ignore my gut instincts. I can't ignore my pain flares. I can't dissociate from what my body is telling me anymore willingly because I now realize that my body is, is me. Um, and I know you've, I know you've had Jamie Lee French on before and I just I, like, I can't talk about that process without acknowledging how huge her work and her book was for me in that process too. Yeah. Um, that you you know, your, your body belongs to you. You don't have to give your body to anyone else. Nobody else has consent to do anything or, or 
have any ownership over your body except for you as a person and your brain isn't in charge of your body. You know, it, it's all a unified, cohesive unit, but trying to find all those puzzle pieces to put it back together, right? Because it's yeah, really like that yeah, yeah, yeah. drama. It's like that religious drama takes the puzzle and dumps it in the box and shakes it up and then scatters the pieces everywhere. And so you're left feeling just completely disconnected and trying to then go on this like scavenger hunt of your life, all your memories and your traumas and your feelings and emotions and pieces that you can put back together to try to start to validate yourself and who you are and what you feel. And then realize this, you know, beautiful picture that starts coming together, right? That I am, I am a whole person and I'm a really... I'm a really cool person. (laughs) Like I never thought anything good about myself until the last couple of years when all this starts to piece together. And I start to realize that I have so much to offer that was just completely thumbed down before. Um, And and I don't, I don't ever want to just like cast all the blame off because I really do believe that, you know, every person is responsible for their own healing. Um, But at the same time, like when you have that much trauma, it takes so long and it's so difficult to slip through it and try to even find the way towards that healing. So it's, like I said, I've had so many privileges and and helps along the way um, just with having Mike and having the ability to to have access to the therapy that I've had. And, you know, so I don't, um, I I don't even pretend to not be grateful for those things. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride (laughs) for sure. That whole embodiment thing is really interesting. I've, I, I, it's funny. I, I did embodiment coaching with Jamie the first yeah. oh, you did? Okay. two years ago, um, yeah. and they were doing it then, and like literally, literally started at the beginning of the pandemic. It's really a coincidence when I was at, when that was like heavy lockdown and like you know really at home a lot, and yeah. in the midst of therapy at the same time, internal family systems therapy. So going into my brain, yeah, right, and I'm still doing that therapy. Uh, and it's just yeah, but when you it's really it's really incredible when you become aware of your body as a person mm-hmm. and yeah. start to listen to them and start to pay attention and start to interact and have relationship because your body mm-hmm. is not and some people will argue this differently, but I my lived experience is that your body is not you in a sense, that you have a relationship with your body, that your awareness mm-hmm. or consciousness lives in your body, or your body lives in you, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. um, that is what I've been learning. And it, when you, when, and that, when you, when that happens, when you become aware of that, it, it changes everything, and you become more aware of things. Like, I, I realized I was demisexual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, heteromantic, I didn't know that. I didn't even know it was a thing, to be honest. But, right. But when I real when I got in tune with my body, I started to realize that, and now I've been asking all these other questions. Like, and I'm not having any answers, answers yet. But that's what happens when we engage with our bodies. We start to pay attention, 
and they we start to hear mm. what they're saying, what they've been saying all along, right? Exactly. That's that. That's exactly it. Like, what has my body been telling me forever that I'm only now capable of hearing? Because even if my body was telling me these things years ago, right, I wasn't in an emotional place or a safe physical place to be able to hear those things. But now that I am, it, it's it's still a lot of work, you know, but it's it's the ability to slow down and tap into, okay, what does my body want? You know, what kind of relationships does my body want? What does my body need to feel safe and healthy and energetic or, you know, like what, what, what are the things that I need and how do I need to take care of my body in order to get them there to that place? Because, you know, we always just think, well, it, it's so easy to beat your body up in your head, right? Um, especially because like I, I do have, you know, disabilities. Um, and so I, I deal with uh, fibromyalgia and recently have discovered that I I'm also dealing with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, and so I'm, I've got all new pieces of that puzzle to put together for how that makes sense, you know, with my childhood and, and all of the injuries that I suffered as a kid. Um, but it's really, really easy to get up in my head and get mad at my body for not, <laughs> for not working like I think my body should work, yeah. you know, um, for not just being able to do what my brain is conditioned to think that my body should be able to do. And so trying to teach myself to be kind and, and that caring for my body does not always mean pushing my body to 110% all the time um, to do everything for everybody else. That's God, that's one of the biggest, hardest lessons that I've had to learn is that like taking care of my body never ever means denying my body. Um, and that was the only thing that it meant for so long. Right. So that is, is such a huge step and turn to take. And I'm not very good at it yet. I'm still, I still have a long way to go in that process because there's still, even like today, Today is a day that my my legs are really struggling and I've been using my cane to get around the house. And like, I just have to remind myself, like, that is taking care of my body. You know, my body is telling me it's time to slow down. It's time to rest today. I don't have to get mad at myself for not being able to go and do like I can I can cut myself some slack and give myself a break and recognize that my body is doing good work right now by giving me the signs that my emotional health needs a rest, you know? So there's, there's so many of these pieces that are connected and it, it really is just about um, stopping to listen to it, but man, it's hard. It's so yeah. hard feeling like you can like validate yourself in those situations and not still need somebody else to tell you what to do. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. I just need to walk around and tell me like, hey, drink your water. Hey, take your meds, you know. <sighs> Sometimes we do need people to be I accountable. You know, I've had an ADHD yeah. buddy and that's really helped me with doing some things that I didn't, that I wasn't oh, doing, yeah. that I needed to do. So yeah. uh, like those, those, those things can help. But, but I know what you mean. Like we, we're kind of trained to 
I don't know whether this capitalism or evangelicalism or a bit of both that um, that kind of says like that basically treats you like children and that you have to do what you're told to do or else uh, and you kind of get indoctrinated into that way of thinking. Your brain gets trained into that way of thinking um, and almost to the extent you don't really notice it. <laughs> um, and yeah. Um, uh-huh. So when you kind of come out of that, you have to unlearn that, and that's a long process. It takes time. Yeah. 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 It's so <laughs> difficult. Um, so <laughs> I admire anybody that's trying to do that work because it is not easy. It is absolutely not easy. Learning how to actually embody your whole self and show up as an honest version of who you are with all of your needs laid out on the table, right? Um, it's so, so difficult. But that's, I mean, that's part of what all, all of this process is what led me to finally, you know, realize that I'm, I'm not a girl, <laughs> <laughs> Just to put that very bluntly, like I, I have spent my whole life kind of vacillating between the two binaries um, and feeling inadequate in both camps. Um, and I, I, I grew up wishing I could be a boy, um, but also envying all the girls and never feeling like I was at home anywhere, you know? never feeling like I was tough enough or strong enough or never feeling like I was pretty enough or, or, you know, um, and it just always left me feeling truly, truly stuck in the middle of everything. And I've joked before, like I have a very middle of the road kind of mindset about most things. Anyway, I am, I am very like left, right brain split, Um, every personality test I take is like middle of the road. Like I'm almost one, but I'm barely another one, you know, um, or every, um, like political belief, something like everything like that. I tend to just be like, ah, my opinion is right here in the center of this issue. Um, and so feeling like I was even kind of trapped in the middle of this gender experience, was so strange and disembodying, right? There's there's not really a better way to say that because it left me feeling like I didn't belong in this, you know, house that I had. Um, and through this whole process of actually reconnecting into my body, it, it just sort of sort of started to make sense to me that I I didn't have to be labeled as one or the other. I didn't have to be in one camp or the other camp. Like I can be so much more than that. Um, Mike always jokes at me and he says that I, you know, anytime I get confused about something or anytime I have multiple opinions about something, he just says, I contain multitudes. And I started kind of applying that to my gender as well. Like I contain multitudes when it comes to my gender because it's more than, more than meets the eye. 
It's more than what one person can define me as. It's more than what one binary can label it as. Um, that I I feel much more comfortable in my skin recognizing that I am I am not. I'm not labeled in that sense, right? Like what I, what I experience feels like more than one label can touch. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, yeah, because I'm not a fan of labels anyway, to be honest. Enneagram 4, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't like labels. Um, big shot. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, yeah. Sometimes it's awkward, isn't it? Because people, we want to describe who we are to people, but we don't want to use a label because because under a label, there's so many connotations and assumptions mm-hmm. and, and all of that. When yeah, it's uh, I have struggled with not with this kind of label necessarily, not yet. Anyway, uh, maybe I will in the future. Who knows? Um, but with like labels for like what my journey, what, what do I call my, my, my journey of recent years? Like people use yeah. the word deconstruction a lot and I'm like, well, yeah, but that's, that's not really enough for me. That's just too small. Yeah, yeah. It's like for me, my, it works for other people, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that for them. But for me, it's like, it feels too small and it feels like only a little part of what I've actually been experiencing, you know? So I kind of, I started using the word awakening because that's so much mm. more broader and wider and deeper and like more mysterious and more encompassing, you know, it's, um, you know, so it's, it's really difficult with labels and yeah, it's really wonderful that you have been able to kind of make that, that decision for yourself and actually be honest about it because the decision coming to that decision is one thing. And then being honest about it and telling the world about it is a, I always say it's really such a courageous thing for anybody to do. Um, it is not easy to come out like that and it, to be public for everyone to see, uh, um, uh, especially with the stories that people have lived and the stories that you've lived. Um, it, it's yeah. And, so yeah, I guess that's just me saying that you are incredibly courageous, <laughs> and it's wonderful you. that you have been able to to acknowledge this part of yourself. Yeah, it it really is. Um, I mean, I know I said a few minutes ago that like part of the therapy process for me was finding all of my labels, right? Um, but then it was kind of this process of realizing that each one of those labels is just one little piece of the puzzle, right? And there's so many more pieces uh, that build onto it and and make me a lot more than any one of those little labels. Yes. Also Enneagram four here. So any, any kind of, any kind of box makes me feel uncomfortable, right? Like I don't want to be boxed in. Um, And even then sometimes I struggle with the term non-binary because I feel like that conjures up this specific image for people, um, you know, people that assume you're going to be more androgynous than you present. And I typically present very femme, you know, um, but that it doesn't, my, my gender doesn't have to match my body. 
And that's that was a huge realization for me that just realizing that that I could apply that to myself. You know, I, I always gave that grace to other people. Like grace is the wrong word because they can do whatever they want. But like I always had that understanding for other people. Like, well, their gender doesn't match the body that they exist in, you know. Um, but then somehow trying to apply that to myself and recognizing that the gender that I feel doesn't necessarily look and feel always like the body that I live in. Um, and so there is some dysphoria there that often makes embodiment difficult, right? And so trying to figure out, and, and I don't have this figured out by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> so, but, but trying to figure out how to, how to deal with the dysphoria in a healthy way and stay present, physically present in my body um, and and completely embodied in who I am and that confidence. Like that's, that is so hard. Um, so I just, like, I just have to say for anybody else that's struggling with that, um, that aspect of embodiment and gender dysphoria, um, I see you. And I feel you because it really is a struggle. Um, that part is just, it's complicated and there's no one easy answer. And I think that journey obviously looks very different for every person. But um, for me right now, it's really, it's really looking like just sitting with it and trying to be comfortable with the fact that I don't know how to fix it. Um, and that I, like that kind of mystery is difficult <laughs> sometimes because I want to have an answer and a solution to everything. Um, but right now there's just a lot of like processing and sitting and thinking about, well, how do I stay connected? How do I stay present in spite of the fact that I don't feel at home in my body today, or in spite of the fact that my body is having a really bad flare up and it doesn't feel like it's taking care of me, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of an ongoing place that I'm finding myself right now is trying to match those two realities. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's always the way, isn't it? We've always got to, it's always like the both and, you know, like how do we? Yeah. How do we balance everything? How do we? How do we hold that and hold that in the same space and acknowledge that maybe both are true, um, and both are part of us. Um, and and again, that's about a relationship with your body and just acknowledging all the different the different parts of who you are. Uh, and that they are all valid and they all belong mm. and they are all valuable. And yeah. Yeah, I think the, that idea of there being tension between two things, like we've always had this framework for tension, like it's a bad thing, right? Tension has such a negative connotation. Um, in our in our language and in our cultures, uh, 
But then I think about what that word actually means and then think about the, like the practical uses of tension. And then you realize like, that's what builds other things. Like, I'm just not, I'm like, I'm literally live processing this with you right now. <laughs> like I'm thinking about like a, like a tension rod that holds up your shower curtain or, or, you know, like a tension pole that holds up a tent or something else. Like yeah. we use tension all the time to support other things. Right. But then we think about tension in terms of ideas or in terms of ourselves, like the tension I feel between, you know, a non-binary existence and a very femme presenting body. Like, how do I, how do I navigate that tension? And, and my instinct is to want to get rid of that tension, right? How do I, how do I abolish that tension so that I can completely mesh my realities and make it all make sense? Um, but then I think about, I think about that, I think about that word tension. Like it doesn't mean getting rid of anything. Like it literally exists to support other things and to support like structures. So like, what if, what if there's a way to frame this so that the tension between who I am and what I feel and how I exist is just like a springboard for the bigger idea or the bigger form of existence. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> that one. That, that would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome yeah. if we just like. If what yeah, yeah. If we just us, like I, I, I once uh, I've had a a friend of mine on Trace Bell, and we've talked about awareness and consciousness and how that are. Mm -hmm. He talks about his awareness and consciousness of having the experience of trace. So he is he is having an experience of trace, right? This is in the podcast we did together. If you want to listen to it, so he is not. So in a sense, his consciousness is not trace, but he's having an experience of trace and being in that body and living in that body and being and experiencing that life and experiencing everything. Like, but is almost separate from that. Um, the body is kind of living in that awareness and consciousness. So this is some, this is something I've been thinking about with me, and um, and it kind of ties in with the embodiment stuff, and it ties in with the um, the IFS that I've done, Eternal Family Systems, mm -hmm. like, uh, and we're live processing right now, by the way, listeners. Um, and it's just, it just seems to me that it's all all of this is tied together in some way. That it's just this kind mm -hmm. of continual journey into yourself and also out of yourself um discovering mm. yourself yeah i just think like how how wild is that like we are we are constant seekers of information and so it's our instinct to want to keep solving the puzzles but then there's this other part of me now that's like okay but but what if that's not even the goal? Like, what if that tension that we feel is the doorway to who we really are, but it's not in solving the tension that we find it. It's in literally sitting in that tension and feeling that tension and learning that that's not a negative thing. That's just the complication of existing. 
Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have answers. I'm just I'm just talking through this because I I still sit with this struggle daily and so Yeah, it's a daily journey. To feel like Yeah. To feel like everything needs to always have an answer or that there's some sort of resolution to everything also kind of feels exhausting after a while. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. just want a break from trying to heal and trying to do all the work and trying to be the best version of yourself. Um, so maybe this is literally my body. Maybe this was happening today so that I would get the message that it's time to just sit still in it for a little while and let it, you know, let it simmer. Let that tension just exist. Hold space, right? That's what yeah. tension does. It holds space. Ah! <laughs> James. Oh my God. Okay. The yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I love talking to you, Casey. <laughs> we have such good conversations. We could probably talk for hours and just definitely everything. Like, you know, um, know. when 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 I come and visit you, we'll have a we'll have an all night all nighter talking about this stuff. Yes. We are gonna sit on my back porch. And light the fire pit. Yeah. And have long conversations. Yeah. It's going to be excellent. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, (laughs) In the meantime, we have this podcast. um, And uh, just one more thing. Like, what would you say to, what word of encouragement, support, solidarity would you want to say to somebody who is in your position, who's feeling they want to come out in some way? non-binary or um, bisexual um, and is struggling to find the courage to do it? Well, I think what I always tell people is that it takes positive experiences to reinforce habits um, and to reinforce that positive structure in your brain. Um, and if all you've ever experienced is trauma around a certain issue, you know, it makes so much sense why it's difficult to be in that position, to feel unsafe, to feel like you don't have a way or a place to come out. Um, so I first and foremost would say, find one small safe way to test it. You know, find one friend, find one internet forum, find what, like whatever it is for you that feels safe. Come shoot me a DM on Twitter. I will, I will talk to you. Um, and find one place that you trust is going to react positively and give yourself a base for that. Like give yourself one thing to start proving true that goodness can come out of it. Um, and that it doesn't all have to mean that it's going to be a negative experience or it's going to be difficult or hard. Some of it will be, some of it very well might be. Um, but if you can have even that little glimmer of, of a positive experience around it, you're going to feel so much more confidence in it. Um, so I would just say that first and foremost. Second, I would say to remind yourself that people who do not hold 
that safe space for you, people who are not willing to sit in that tension with you do not deserve to see your whole self. They haven't earned that. That's a privilege that people get to earn. Um, it's like everything that's happening in Florida right now with the don't say gay bill, you know? Um, and the argument is that, you know, parents have a right to know everything about their kids. And so it should be required that if a child comes out at school, that the parents be informed about it. And it's like, no, those kids don't come out to those parents because they don't feel safe doing so. There's a reason that they haven't done that. Um, you have to absolutely earn the right to learn these truths about a person. So if you don't have people in your life who will genuinely safely hold that tension and space for you, then they don't, they don't necessarily need to be the ones that you come out to. Um, you don't have to feel like you have to go big or go home. You can do it at your own pace, in your own way, um, and on one in one spot at a time. You know, it doesn't have to be all at once. Definitely doesn't have to be to people who are going to actively hold it against you. Like you don't owe that to them. You owe it to yourself to make sure that you are safe and protected and loved and cared for. So find the people who will hold that space for you. And make yourself a priority in the process. And like I said, my handle on Twitter is at Casey is magic. K-A-C-E-Y is magic. Um, if you want to add me on there and you don't have anybody else to talk to and you need to tell somebody, I will listen because I've been there. So I get it. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Casey. And, uh, yeah. Thank you for coming back on the show. I'm sure this won't be the last time. No, it definitely won't. I appreciate it so much, and I love just talking to you. So this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, um, thanks for listening, everybody. And, and thanks again, Casey. Yeah.